global crisis. Bible prophecy. Health and preparedness. You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch. Father in heaven, we thank you for an opportunity to be on the air. We know that the time is short, and so we ask that you would give us a sense of urgency and a sense of need to draw closer to you, to know Jesus Christ as our friend and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. I'm Scott Ritzema, once again for another news broadcast. And from a biblical perspective, we want to take on what is it that's going on in the world? How do we understand the times in which we live? So we're going to dig right into it. UK Express reports, EU Army on the way? EU cannot rely on NATO and needs new defense policy, says EU Chief. The European Union cannot rely on NATO to protect its member states from external threats and must develop a policy of collective defense that allows it to act autonomously if and when necessary. So you heard the headline right. An EU army potentially on the way, or at least a competing alliance of armies just like NATO, but now that the Brexit has taken place, and who knows what will happen next in the American elections if national sovereignty rather than globalism will prevail, the EU is scrambling to get together to form their super state that they've wanted to develop over the decades. This idea of having a transnational government with the end of national borders and sovereignty and central banks and militaries to bring in one imperial state. We've been talking about this a lot on the broadcast lately because this is some of the biggest news literally in Western civilization history. This has been almost a century in the making to have this European Union and then Britain to step out. The biggest political event in the history of that nation since World War II. So what's the significance of this from a biblically prophetic standpoint? Well, Daniel 2, once again, is the passage in the Bible. The prophecy that says that the division of the Roman Empire, which we call Europe, would not reunite. So any efforts to form a European Union where it's truly an imperial state, where it's, pure, where it's actually a centralized government, that's going to fail. Well, human beings many times throughout history try to go directly against the Lord's will and what he has prophesied and said would take place. But human beings will learn their lesson if they haven't yet. And indeed, there are many well-meaning people who are promoting a European Union. They don't realize that they're, that, that Daniel 2 says what it says. But there's also some who do know what they are doing. When you look at the uh, European Union Parliament building, it's patterned exactly after a portrayal of the Tower of Babel. And so a lot of religious imagery, a lot of things happening in, in, in symbolic gestures. So we live in a time that is indeed interesting. They seem to be moving forward, seeking to seize power while they still have the opportunity before things continue to crumble. Eight other nations talking about now getting out of the European Union. 
We'll see and watch this develop. Shifting gears into the Daily Signal reports back in my country, the United States of America. Visitors at national parks. Oh, yes, we had to go here, even with the national parks. Visitors to national parks are free to use whichever restroom they believe matches their gender identity, the Department of Interior says. As it relates to recently passed state laws relating to the gender community, transgender community, visitors to public lands and water sites are welcome to use restrooms that best align with their gender identity, an Interior Department spokesman told the Daily Signal in an email. But a national policy expert says... Visitors to national parks should be concerned that others can enter the restroom of their choice regardless of their biological sex. Quote, it is troubling because national parks have traditionally been family-friendly destinations, said Peter Sprigg, senior fellow for policy studies at the Washington-based Family Research Council, which advocates conservative social values. Now, women and girls will have to worry about sharing a restroom with biological males. Even the national parks, the most wonderful place in the world to go and see the most beautiful things, now has this coming. Oh, I'm, I, I don't want to talk about this issue anymore. Why are we talking about bathrooms so much in our society? You know, We've got the Bible in front of us. We've got prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes. We have a clear global economic powder keg along with earthquakes and the intensification of global geopolitical strife and a one-world religion being formed under the Vatican and the politically correct message of we can all unite around climate change and this whole new world order. I mean, there's incredible things happening in our world. Most of all, each one of us has sin in our lives. We have issues. We have instability in our uh, temptations and emotions, and, and we, we need the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation. And the biggest rights issue, the great moral crusade of our day, has become allow people to go into whatever bathroom they feel like. That's a clear indicator that we are in trouble as a society. Daily Mail reports backlash against the EU spreads as political parties across the continent call for 34 separate referendums. In a column for Foreign Policy magazine on the flip side, Council on Foreign Relations member James Traub says that, quote, today's citizen revolt in the United States, Britain, and Europe may upend politics as nothing else has in my lifetime. I agree with that statement. By the way, Foreign Policy Magazine, a publication of the Council on Foreign Relations, is a globalist publication. This is the organization that has for uh, nearly a century been pushing for and advocating for global government and a reduction in national sovereignty. And so what they're saying is basically we're panicking here because there seems to be a, quote, citizen revolt. And that could be good or bad from a religious liberty standpoint. But from a globalist perspective, it's definitely a bad thing. You got the Council on Foreign Relations saying, well, this is a mindless, angry people and extremism has gone mainstream. One might be forgiven for assuming that the British people wanting to have national autonomy and sovereignty isn't an extreme 
position to take. But this is the viewpoint from the globalist side of it. If you want global governance, well, these people who want their nation and their patriotism, and I'm waving the flag this 4th of July as a red, white, and blue American, as most of us are, but from the standpoint of the global elite who want a consolidated super state, this is an extreme viewpoint, and to oppose it makes you, quote, mindless and angry. These are some, these are some pretty strong words being used in Foreign Policy magazine. His answer is that the establishment political parties in the major Western countries must fight back and, quote, combine forces to keep out the nationalists. The push for further globalization will pit the, quote, poor and non-white and marginal citizens against, quote, working class and middle class whites, whom he describes as, quote, angry fist shakers. So did you catch that? There is a divide and conquer strategy going on. Globalization pits one group against the other. It divides working class and middle class of this race versus those races and the, this political ideology versus that one. That's exactly what the devil has been all about all along. He has sought to divide us one from another, human to human, person to person with our maker to get conflict and strife and wars and rumors of wars going. He delights in bloodshed, violence, and civil unrest. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. All who accept his gospel of peace in their lives, his law of love in their lives, it unites us together in ways that you don't need a nation. You don't need a external force borders, militaries, all of that. In fact, you have these wonderful large Christian gatherings and they call out the, you know, we're going to have to have serious police presence because there's 40,000 people descending upon the city here. And then they go, oh, wait, we don't need to do anything. We can send half of these guys to other posts of duty because these Christians, they're so well behaved. This is what happens when the gospel is transforming your life. It starts to transform groups, families, even societies if we were to all accept it. But Foreign Policy magazines pointing out there is a divide-and-conquer strategy going on, division, with prospects of flat growth in Europe and minimal income growth in the United States. Voters are rebelling against their dismal long-term prospects. So he says, basically, the economy's in shambles and people are turning, asking themselves the question, where do we go next? We are not satisfied with the current ruling elite and their status quo. And that's a danger to the established power structures. Again, this could be good or bad. There are definitely winds of strife that are revolutionary in the air right now. And that, that could lead to a, a restoration of liberty and a reprieve and, and, and a little bit of time before the final conflagration of crises emerge upon the earth and we have no more time to do the work. But... Prayerfully, hopefully, Lord willing, these changes will not usher in an acceleration of tyrannical mass mob rule insanity. We'll wait and see. Too early to say. The right major crisis, though, to quote one top globalist, the right major crisis will 
fulfill Bible prophecy. That first catalyst, whatever it will be, there's a number of signs in the times in the Bible. We don't know when, where, what, but we do know we're moving into that time right now with increased speed. And so Traub in this article, um, James Traub in, in the foreign policy article from the Council on Foreign Relations, admits that he has an elitist outlook, but that, quote, it is necessary to say that the people are deluded and that the task of leadership is to undelude them. So, wow. You know, I, I, I love the stream of thought that comes out of the Protestant Reformation and the founding of America, where you respect the dignity and individuality and free mind of every person. There is another viewpoint, and that is the people must be controlled. We must socially engineer the population according to our ends and aim so that they will fall in line with our program. That's what you heard there from Council on Foreign Relations publication. But after the break, we're going to get into a article from Vice Media about a simulation that's been going on sponsored by FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and the kinds of crises that they envision as possibilities. You might be aware of the fact that government agencies and, and emergency organizations take prudent action to plan for likely crisis scenarios. Well, after the break, you'll see what they're preparing for and how we may want to consider being prepared for the same thing. We'll be right back. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com or write to us at 11333 Bacchus Road, Lakeview, Michigan, 48850. What does it take to raise spiritually strong young people in our homes? Well, the George Barna research results are in. Parents who have had actual measurable success, who have raised their children to become solid Christian young adults, these parents believed something absolutely radical, that parenting was their number one job in life. They were not too busy. They were committed to focusing on the training of their children above everything else in their lives. Any parents with children in the home need to know this. Write down the DVD title and share it with them right away. It's called How to Raise the Remnant. Now more than ever, parents are in desperate need of solid biblical counsel to guide us back to God's plan for raising godly children in these last days. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Welcome back. This is 11th Hour Dispatch. And indeed, we are in the 11th hour of Earth's history. The time is short. And the times are interesting indeed. If you're bored at all, at this time, of the history of the world. In fact, at any time, if you look at the beauty of a rainbow, the glory of a waterfall, 
the cool mist of a foggy morning. The sound of the wings of a hummingbird. The laughter of a small child. Is not this world that God made just so captivating and so beautiful? It's only when we're overstimulated on media and entertainment and a high trans fat sugar diet of mind numbing us that we become dull. And you can see it in people's eyes sometimes. In some faces, you see there's a, there's a light. They're, they're alive. They're awake. And then in other people, and I don't mean just that they're tired. I mean, it's like there's just less self there left. It's as if their individuality has been removed from them and they, they've got those dull eyes. You know, the Holy Spirit and the work of the gospel in your life can give you one of those faces of those people where you're like, man, why is that person always so engaged with life, with people, with ideas, with caring for others? Why do I just find myself in the doldrums of the way I feel? And you look in the mirror and you're like, I know that the Lord has more for me. Well, that's what this show was ultimately about. Yes, we're talking about these FEMA exercises that they're having that I'll get into in a moment. But ultimately, even if we had 300 years like Enoch had to walk with God, and I don't believe we're going to be around here for another 300 years, not even close. But even if we did, the beauty of this world, the beauty, most of all, of the character of Christ on the cross, crucified for you. How, how can you turn from that and go, eh, no big deal? This was the God of heaven who came to this earth knowing that he was coming to die. That's unspeakably beyond anything I could imagine. And then when you look at Bible prophecy and you see the world we live in today and you see the prophecies being fulfilled and you're like, man, this is really interesting. I've seen the history. It's all been fulfilled. By the way, if you haven't studied the Bible prophecies, do it like today, tonight, BibleProphecyTruth.com. Go there, study through the prophecies. But Vice Media reports, as I was introing before the break, the U.S. national security industry is planning for the impact of an unprecedented global food crisis lasting as long as a decade, according to reports by a government contractor. The studies published by CNA Corporation in December 2015, unreported until now, described a detailed simulation of a protracted global food crisis from 2020 to 2030. Now, this isn't something they're predicting is exactly going to happen this way. This is a planning session, a simulation, a likely type of event. The simulation was titled Food Chain Reaction, was a desktop gaming exercise for these emergency management planners, and it involved the participation of 65 officials from U.S., Europe, Africa, India, Brazil, and key multilateral and multi-governmental institutions. Now, when I saw that, I said, wow, okay, well, a food crisis. So you got population growth. You've got desertification taking place. What was formerly arable land, tillable land, turning desert. You've got genetically modified organisms taking over the various different species of plants and the potential for a complete breakdown 
under an electromagnetic pulse, a solar flare, a grid down situation, hacking of the uh, of the of the grid by foreign uh, agencies. I mean, you name it. There's a lot of situations where you could have a total takedown of the transportation of the society, which is where food is transported, right? And all of a sudden, you got a food crisis on your hands in no time. This is a very real scenario. This is not doom and gloom. This is not hype and fear. These are serious top of the of the global institutions people saying, okay, how do we plan for and prepare for this sort of thing? You might remember previous reports in the broadcast from last fall about these billionaires who are just panicked and, and, and going into the, the prepper mode, as it's called. The global elite are the biggest preppers you'll find, apparently. And, and enormous amounts of millionaires leaving, fleeing Chicago, as it were, and they're saying, we're afraid social unrest is on the way. Well, it's already here. So they're seeing the writing on the wall. Michael Snyder of Economic Collapse Blog was recently contacted also by emergency preparedness industry friends, associates, contacts in that industry, and was told firsthand, in numerous emergency food companies, people that do the storable food thing, have been contacted by the government, by agencies, by individuals in the government and told that under certain circumstances, we may have to come and seize your inventories. So apparently that's in the cards, too, and in the planning sessions of how to deal with a food emergency is go to find all the, the preparedness, uh, storable food companies and, and just seize their stores. Now, how does this relate with us? Should we become people that move into a cave and just store up and wait for the apocalypse to happen? no. We have a mission. Jesus said, go ye into the world. I believe in country living. I believe in self-sustaining lifestyles. Uh, we ought to be able to grow some of our own food, if not most of our own food. People 100 years ago, it was commonplace and ordinary and expected that you would have most of a year's supply of food stored up, canned, etc. It's just how human beings have lived for thousands of years. Today, it's kooky and weird, apparently, is what I'm told. Although, people that I know that do it aren't kooky and weird, but you're, you're perceived as being that because you're one of those crazy preppers. No, it's, it's wise and prudent to have seeds, to have a garden, to have some acreage, and to have some stored food. In fact, even FEMA recommends that, the Federal Emergency Management Agencies. But the big-moneyed, wealthy elite are doing a whole lot more. That brings us to the strategic national stockpile. According to NPR, National Public Radio, there are at least six national strategic national stockpile warehouses at various locations around the country. <laughs> Deliberately vague there. <laughs> various locations, at least six, says the government to uh, NPR. And they are holding, these warehouses are holding, at least seven billion dollars worth of supplies. Thousands of lives might someday depend on this stockpile, which holds all kinds of medical supplies that the officials would need in the wake of a terrorist attack with a chemical, biological, or nuclear weapon. The location of these warehouses is secret. How many there are is secret, although we do know that there are at least six. And exactly what's in them is secret. If everybody knows exactly what you have, then you know exactly what you can do to us that we can't fix, says Burel, and we just won't want that to happen. What he will reveal 
is how much – this is a government official – how much the stockpile is worth. We currently value the inventory at a little over $7 billion. And the NPR report indicates that basically most of the supplies are medical supplies, including, quote, millions of doses of vaccines being stored up in these secret warehouses Preparing for who knows what. Vaccines, maybe major pandemics coming. Wait a minute. I shouldn't say maybe. The Bible says that there will be pestilences increasing in frequency and intensity. Speaking of intensity, I know that this information is rather intense. Sometimes I've been studying this kind of information for years, looking at this from a political science angle, as a history teacher, as an economics teacher, and I know that it can come across like, whoa, I just got slammed with all of this. What's going on? Is the sky falling? No. The sky isn't falling. In fact, one thing we should be even more urgent about than survival. And yes, as I mentioned, it's prudent. Take prudent actions. Be a normal human. Be able to grow some of your own food. All of that. It's not weird. It's very, very uplifting, holy, healthy, connects you to your creator and supports and makes you have noble independence to support your family and bless others. But any, a much more important thing. You know, when we talk about preparedness, ultimately, the time we have now, the probationary period of the last days before Jesus comes, this is a time to get prepared spiritually for that great event and to get others prepared. Most people have no idea what Jesus' second coming is all about, what the signs of the times are all about. In fact, many people, you might think everybody knows what the gospel is and knows about Jesus, most people don't. I mean, we have a generation coming up that, are, that know nothing except about American Idol. We've got to share the message. In fact, not just the message about Jesus soon coming, but the messages that the angels present in Revelation 14. They're called the three angels' messages, and it's the everlasting gospel. So there actually are messages symbolically represented as being carried by angels, but the angels don't preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. Matthew 28, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize, teach them the way of God. And that's our job. That's preparedness. If we're not doing the work of God, if we're not spreading the messages that God has given to us to share to the world, the messages of warning and hope, then we're not going to be transformed ourselves. Right? I mean, the ultimate form of being Christ-like and allowing the Spirit of God to transform our lives is sharing what we've been given, living a life of other-centeredness, reflecting the very character of Christ in our conduct, in our thoughts, not thinking of how I can please myself and bring pleasure to myself. That's a sign of the last days that the masses go down that route. They will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But will we love God supremely and love our neighbor supremely? That, my friends, is our high calling in these days. Shipping gears. AP reports. Diet Pepsi with aspartame returning to shelves in the United States. Boy, we've seen so many good news headlines about these big food companies that are taking out toxic ingredients from their products. Here's one where it's making a comeback, unfortunately. If you don't know anything about aspartame, it's really, 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 really not good for you. Diet Pepsi made with aspartame is returning to shelves in the United States after PepsiCo saw sales plummet following its reformulation of the drink last summer to remove the artificial sweetener. They came under fire because people are like, what? What's, what is this stuff? But 
Now they're putting it back in because their sales plummeted. PepsiCo says it will offer Diet Pepsi Classic Sweetener Blend made with aspartame starting in September in 12-ounce cans, 2-liter bottles, and 20-ounce bottles. The move is intended to appease fans who don't like the taste of the reformulated drink, which is made with the artificial sweetener sucralose, which is Splenda. And that's just another splendid form of a chemical assault on the body. My friends, eat whole foods, eat plants, eat real food. This caffeinated sucralose, uh, Splenda, aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, it's toxic. Get back to God's ways. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. I have a question about the last day's prophecies of Revelation 12 and 13. Do you know what the counterfeit trinity is? The three powers of the devil that bring in this last day's deception and movement. They are the dragon, the beast, and the second beast. Now, what do these three represent? Simply put, that is the devil, religious power, and political power in the last days. And these form a threefold union to join together and push forward the last day deception. And it says the whole world followed the beast. So the entire world nearly, except the narrow road of those following the Lamb, are going to be on board with this counterfeit trinity. Then we know that the marvelous working of Satan is ready to be upon us when the three, spiritualism, religious power, and political power, are united in their efforts. Brought to you by Belt of Truth Ministries.org.